welcome to the Nola Row Experience Podcast. Raw, honest, relatable experiences that help us grow. Are you subscribed? If not, what are you waiting for? Go! And please, leave a review and help us grow while you're at it. Thank you. On today's episode, my mom and I are in therapy. Are you nervous? <laughs> we are sitting down with uh, our therapist for the day, Nadiria John, who is actually a repeat guest. And we're just going to unpack stuff from my teenage years. Not just stuff about me, but what that experience was like for my mom, the SOA Q&A, and of course, today's happy habit. So I am happy to be here with you guys and happy to be a return guest. I feel honored. <laughs> so, and um, thank you for your time today. You're welcome. So tell me a little bit about what brings you guys today. What are we focusing on today? So it's really a matter of, I feel like we go through life, have experiences, sometimes traumatic. It could be happy experiences as well. But I find that the ones that, impact you in a negative way or um like i said trauma a lot of people don't go back and not that we want to live in the past but go back and kind of observe yourself what was i like during that time what happened to me why did i react that way am i different now i like to reflect Mm -hmm. you know and it gives you an opportunity to see your growth but i do feel like my mom and i you know we've experienced a lot in life, not necessarily with each other, just in life on a whole. And we haven't really fully unpacked our experiences. And I think doing that really, you know how people are like, if you don't know where you're coming from, you don't know where you're going type of thing. So it's really about that. What what happened? You know, how did we get here? What's going on? Understand, understood, and I agree with you that it is important at some point to unpack and to sit and process some of your experiences because our experiences, to some degree, it makes us who we are. Yeah. So I agree. So tell me, if you wanted to begin unpacking, and you mentioned your teenage years, mm-hmm. tell me when you think about your teenage life, both good and bad, as you said, because both are important and valuable. Yeah. Where would you begin? Teenage years. I, when I think of teenage years, I always see a picture of Brooklyn. I go right back to East New York Avenue in East 96, (laughs) living in an apartment building across the street from Lincoln Terrace Park. That was a pivotal moment in my life because so much happened, not just in my relationship with my mom, not just at home, but living in that type of neighborhood and having to navigate different types of personalities, people with PTSD. At that time, I didn't know that's what was happening. But now I can look back and see, like, people were not okay. So it was like, I guess, for lack of a better term, like a jungle. You know, you're navigating all types of things to get from home to school, from home to the store. And and it was a, a really tough thing to do. But I, what I love about how I managed is no matter how dark things were, no matter how challenging things were, I'm not saying I was perfect and I did everything correctly. I always had a voice of reason mm-hmm. somewhere that would kick in and say, you know what, I'm not doing that. You know, mm-hmm. no, I'm not going to come this time or whatever. So it it was never a tumultuous time in that regard. Like I wasn't getting in trouble and, you know, with, with a certain type of crowd and getting injured and stuff like that. So, um, but it was rough and I'm thankful that I had the insight and that little voice in the back of my head that I would most of the time, not all the time, follow and go with that. Yeah, yeah. Which is important. It sounds like what you're saying is that you grew up in a neighborhood where there was trauma and um, it probably looked normal at the time. But looking back and reflecting now, you can see where people were going through some things. Mm. But it sounds like what you're describing is you developed some good judgment. 
and survival skills growing up in that community. Exactly. And it helped you to have a voice, to find yourself and make some good decision making. Yeah, yeah. And the, you know, the um, interesting thing about being in situations where you have to be quick on your feet and think about how to maneuver through certain things in a strategic way. Not only are you building skills to just move through the world, you're also developing trauma and you don't realize it. So I'm thankful for that, but of course, I'm not saying, hey, I hate that I had trauma, it happened. You know, what am I gonna do with it now? Yeah. And you know what? You're right about that, that it is a trauma in a sense. And most of us, I think especially coming from the black community and coming from communities where we see things, we witness things, witnessing things can be traumatizing. Mm -hmm. And so you're right that within the black community, we hear about crimes, we hear about murders, we see things that we shouldn't see. And it is, it is a trauma. Constantly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so let's talk more. Tell me more about um, your teenage eras and your relationship with mom and your upbringing in the community. And tell me more about what you want to That was, I didn't know at the time, and I probably didn't have the language at the time to articulate what I was experiencing, but I just didn't feel protected. And I didn't know that I didn't feel protected. So I had to be this tough girl, you know. And that was me having to be slick with my mouth or use psychology on people to protect myself or um, just different things that ended up being weaponized against me. So it was like, she, she, she don't know how to talk to people or she always got an attitude or why is she always mad? There was never a time when anyone said, what is going on? We need to do something about it. So I had to just walk through that and figure it out. And it was hard because in, in our culture, if I'm like, I'm stressed, you know, your elders are like, will you stress for you ain't got no bills? <laughs> you know, you ain't got no job. Like what, what, what? There's so much happening in the world that, you know, uh, affect you, but um, as far as my relationship with my mom, my mom is kind of like a typical Caribbean person who bought into this American dream. You know, it. I feel like it's marketing. So when you are in a foreign country, for us, Diana, you're watching TV, your, um, and by the way, the people who would come back to Diana, I have a bone to pick with the people that will come back and they will go out and buy new clothes to come back on vacation. So when you see them, you see this idea of prosperity. You're thinking, oh, they must be living real good. And of course they bring the barrel. We don't know that they don't even have a dime when they come back, not all of them, but many of them. And all of these things are like a package, like uh, uh, making America, this the United States, this dream place to be, right? So my mom and millions of people have come to this country under the guise of tapping into the American dream. And unfortunately for many people, when you get here, you feel stuck <laughs> because you have to make ends meet and you end up in this system where if you slip up one time, you could be homeless. You slip up one time, you could be starving. And this doesn't really leave room for you to even go back home if you wanted to. I mean, some people have, but my mom at that time had to work ridiculous hours. Um, and that of course impacted our relationship because she couldn't be there. You know, and I don't, I also don't think that you understood and many parents understood, because my friends were going through the same things, understood how integral your presence was, right? You like, and, and you want to know something? Sidebar for a second, I'm, I'm going to talk about the present day. I realized recently that I had gone out with my friends and we, made an agreement to do one activity. So when that activity was done, they all know me. 
I'm going home. <laughs> right? mm-hmm. They're like, why do you always want to go home? We want to go do something else. And I said yes when I didn't want to. And I felt it in my body like I'm going against what I really want to do. And then we went to the second place. And then they wanted to go to a third place. And I had, I don't know what to label it as, but it had to have been anxiety about my son being home. And I told him I would be back at a certain time. And I wasn't there. It wasn't sitting right with me. And my behavior in the moment, it was surprising to me. I had never had that experience. I really didn't know how to handle it. So it kind of affected other people who were there. But I do feel it's possible that it came from that era where I felt like, you know, my mom's not really there. My dad's definitely not there. So now I have this and I'm aware of it. So I make sure it's not an obsession where have to be present for my son you know but uh it's it's interesting that all of that and ended up manifesting Mm -hmm. today yeah yeah and it's good that you were able to make that connection make that connection that i'm not acting like myself right now and i'm being triggered i'm feeling anxious and it's because i'm reacting to something that happened to me where Mm -hmm. i didn't feel like my mom was able to show up for me the way I wanted her to, and I don't want to then have let my son have the same experience. Yeah. Did you check in with your son to find out how you coming home a little later than you told him you would impacted him? No, because he wants to be home playing video games. Right. He right. doesn't want me to be on time. Right. Right. And so <laughs> He doesn't mind that I'm late. You know, this is all me in my world going through my own thing. And so it's good that you can recognize that and it shows that you have a lot of insight, right? Because some people would have thought to themselves, my son is not doing okay. He And it's like, that's not really true. Yeah. You want to be able to give your son something that you felt like you didn't have and that's important to you. Yeah. But for him, him being able to have some time to himself to enjoy his games, <laughs> he actually appreciates that. Yeah. And your friends appreciated your presence. And if think about if you were able to relax and even call your son and say, hey, I'm going to be running a few um, hours later. Yeah. Are you okay with that? Are yeah. we going to be good? We can do something later. And he said, oh, mom, I'm good. I'm watching yeah. my games. I'm playing yeah. my games. Yeah. How much more would you have been able to enjoy your time with your friends? Definitely. And I think I needed that experience to understand, okay, this is what could potentially happen, and this is what I could do next time to not go through that. Because it was my first time really being out in almost a year. Like really, really being outside, outside. And I was like, really? Okay, this is what's happening? Okay, girl, we need to figure this out. Mm-hmm. 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 Okay, okay, yeah. Doris, listening to uh, Nola talk about her experiences thus far, um, tell me what's going through your mind. Um, first of all, not being protected. That is a wide statement. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to say this, as a single parent, and uh, you have to cater to your kids, bills, the big man is the rent, Um, utilities, food, clothing, and you have to do it all by yourself no type of income coming from nowhere but what you earn it's a it's a big deal and um when my daughter would say not she wasn't feeling that protection and then she 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 kind of explained why but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish it up. When your generation today had better schools, higher learning, higher education, I have never had that. I went to high school, community high. And after that, that was it. Never gone to college. So... With that education, is so far you can go when you have kids. 
and you have to maintain them. You can, like they say, the sky is, is the limit. Yes, you can get there with help. I never had nobody helping me. Okay, Doris, you can further your education. I'm going to look the kids or whatever. I had to fight right through. So working nine to five, leaving one job to the other, nursing assistant, home attendant in that field. Then I started working at the Plaza Hotel. It, 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 it wasn't easy. And then they have homework. You got to come home and make sure that the homework is finished. It's ready for next day. Dinner to be made, laundry, all these things, etc. It's a major task. And um, you can afford to do it now with your son. But put you in my position at that time, I don't think you could have handled it. You know what? I want to ask this because, it's, like you said, that, that was a wide statement. It felt like a wide statement when she said um, that she was unprotected. I wonder when she made that wide statement, what did that feel like for you? It, it's, it, it felt rough because it's like you abandoned and it's not like that. That's why I'm glad she made that clarification after, like, okay, my mom had to work all these crazy hours, mm -hmm. you know, and I felt a little better. But I wanna, I wanna make the clarification mm -hmm. on in, on that. Yeah. When she made that rough statement, it felt rough. Where in your body did that roughness show up for you? My heart. In your heart. Because I know. I've been fighting to keep my home together, to keep my kids together, mm -hmm. not having them doing sleepovers. If any sleepovers, the, the whole day friends got to come to my home to do sleepovers. And that was your way of protecting her? Of course. Mm -hmm. So, and I think that was a major way of protecting because I knew what was going on out there. Mm -hmm. you, leave, you leave your kids or you send them out to do sleepovers and all kinds of stuff happened. Mm -hmm. Sexual harassment and all these different stuff, mm -hmm. you know. So, mm -hmm. I had my eyes on that. Mm -hmm. And... Um, Food, they had food, mm -hmm. you know. And I was coming home, but not that regular because at that time, and that was different places that we lived, mm -hmm. where I had family member living in the home with us mm -hmm. because we moved from Brooklyn, we moved from Queens to Brooklyn, you know, different stages, I can't remember. But most of the time, there are people in the home that can watch over them. But um, it, it wasn't an easy road. So it's a hard shoes to fall. I mean, being on the outside and looking in, oh, I could have done that. But when you're actually in it, it's not like that. So... And so, like you said, you felt that in your heart when she made that statement. But I'm wondering, as you said, you appreciated her clarification. Yes. What did that feel like for you? Good. Okay. Did you I also feel, good. feel that in your heart? Yes, because she understood what was going on. She understood. But as a kid, then, I probably would have felt the same way, you know. But... um. When you're a parent and like a single parent, you gotta make sure that every hole is filled. And if you're missing one, it's like, no. It's right, and so the parent and the child, you guys have two different experiences and two different sets of priorities and obligations as you're growing up and um, you know you learning how to navigate a community and you know and and just be a teenager and navigate whatever that is that's being thrown at you you navigating moving your family to a new country and having bills and responsibilities that you haven't had before mm -hmm. being a single mother and everything you had to learn how to navigate that exactly and those two things didn't allow you guys it sounds like to 
be there for each other or for you to be there for her in the way that she felt like she needed you to be there? Yes. Right? Which yes. I think happens in a lot of families. And you know what? It always happened, um, like you just said, in, in a lot of families. But kids mm -hmm. and parents mm -hmm. is two different views. Of course, yeah. Two different views. Mm -hmm. until, until you get there in the parent's shoes, you become a parent. Yeah. Then you can relate mm -hmm. to a point. Yeah. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if I were to ask you if you were to say that you would be able to empathize with mom now that you're a mother in some ways. Yeah, I, I have done that, and I am. And that's why I made sure that I mentioned, I understood what that journey looked like. I'm never going to understand what it's like to be my mom. And I don't aspire to because I have my own self to figure out and understand. But um, the only thing that kind of feels like this could, like it, it, it sometimes feels like it could be a little bit of a roadblock unpacking these things and kind of sorting them out because I realize that when mom is feeling challenged, she becomes defensive. I'm not attacking you. Why challenged? Why you use that word challenged? This is what I mean, you know, because I think the feeling is challenging for you that came up and you're defending. You don't know my feelings, so you can't say when I feel challenged. Okay. So let me jump in and say that you did say that when she used that word that was unprotected, you felt like it touched your heart. It yes. It felt that in my heart. And so tell us more about what that means, that it, it touched your heart and how you think that impacted you? Um, like I just said, you know, um, she just said her experience wouldn't be like mine. Yes, because you know why? Things evolve. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. As we live and we age, things get different, especially in America. So my experience wouldn't be hers, okay? And um, like I said, when you're not advanced mm -hmm. in um, academically, mm -hmm. it tends to put a damp on you. Mm -hmm. So you have to go out there and literally fight. Mm -hmm. Like you're in the streets, you gotta fight. Uh, um, opposed to people that are fully educated, have the degrees and all these things, they, their challenges is a little easier. I, I, I hear what you're saying and I hear where you're going with this. And I want to, you know, jump in and say that um, family therapy is tough. Therapy is tough. And family therapy is even harder. And now you guys have decided to share this moment with the world, which makes it, I think, even harder. And when we're sitting in family therapy, what's happen what happens and what's happening right now is you're hearing your daughter say things that might sound like, and correct me if I'm wrong, a criticism or a judgment of you as a mother. And I, we're all mothers. So I think that's sensitive. It's a sensitive subject for anyone. So I'm wondering, like, you know, is there space or room for you to tolerate a little bit of that in this moment? Of course. Yeah. And, and it's not easy. So I give credit to you, right? It's yes, not easy for, course. I think, in any setting for us, for someone to come and talk about, hey, this is what wasn't done the best. Right? We all can sometimes get a little defensive because you understand why it wasn't done the best. Exactly. Right? Um, but I know that it's important for you to unpack that. And so I want to create the space for you to unpack it and, and then later on create the space for you to be able to talk with your daughter about what that was like for her and then also, you know, share whatever else is coming up for you. That's okay? Yes. Okay. So tell us more about... And, and let me say again, if you need space to be able to take five, it's okay to say... We need to take five because it's a lot to hear. Mm -hmm. right? We're okay. going to create the space for all of that to happen. 
tell us more about your teenage years and whatever else is on your heart in this moment, Tom. I think that, you know, when you use the term giving space, that's, you gave me words to describe how it's been. I wasn't offered space where I could come and say, this is my experience. I know it doesn't sound good. I know it doesn't feel good. And I wanna be able to use the word challenge. Like, I don't know what the, the, the best or the most appropriate word is, but I feel like that's an appropriate word because I could see that mom is experiencing something and it's challenging, right? How do I, as a younger person who has not figured out how to communicate better, how do I express what's happening to me? How do I express what I'm going through and not feel like I kind of have to fight to be able to express when I'm going through something? What do I do? I, I, I keep it to myself, you know, and if I say that I wasn't protected, mom, that wasn't a shot at your skills as a mother. I am aware of where you were and what you were going through. I was there with you. However, that still happened in my world. If I had to put a number on it, I would say 95% of the experiences that I've had where I felt I wasn't protected, you have no idea about. The same way how I came into the world and I have no idea everything that's happened to you, you have no clue either. You don't know. And it's not an attack on you. These things happened. They exist. They're real for me. So as much as it's hard to hear, it's hard to say. And it's hard to walk through and it's hard to feel. But I am one of those people. I have to get things out. I always want to talk. I always want to sort things out. I didn't have that with my mom because my mom wasn't, you, you, you really aren't really that person who wants to discuss things, especially if it feels too big or it feels too challenging. Uncomfortable. Yeah, uncomfortable. Um, it doesn't get talked about or discussed. And sometimes it even turns into an argument or you know a, a negative interaction. If I had said, mom, do you know someone tried to rape me today? Or I'm not saying that happened, but I'm saying what if I came and said that? It would shock you that I was, a, I was around people who were, who were capable of those things. You know, but really living in that environment and going to school feeling like somebody could cut my face today because this is what's happening right now. People's faces are being cut. The school is surrounded by police to make sure that at least on that block it doesn't happen. I don't feel protected. I'm on my own in a lot of instances. And I need to be able to say that because that's my truth. And um, thank you for sharing this. Again, it requires a lot of vulnerability. And these type of conversations are never easy. And um, mom, I saw when she said that, um, when you said, if I tell you, mom, that I was raped today, and then she said, well, I'm not saying that happened. I saw your body go, like, yeah. <laughs> there was a sense of relief, like, whew. Yeah. Right? And so I say that to say these conversations are really, really hard. Hard. Yeah. And um, you are doing a good job. You said, um, what are the words that I'm supposed to use? Yeah. You're using the right words. You're expressing yourself the best way you know how. Thank you. And um, you're handling it the best way that you know how. This is hard for both of you. And so we just want to keep the conversation going. Right? So um, tell us about your experiences that did happen in high school. Well, I was uh, one of the smartest kids in the school. But I didn't know that whatever I was going through emotionally was impacting my performance. At the time, I knew I wasn't doing the best that I could, 
but I didn't have the insight to say, oh, well, it's because of these things. And now I can look back and say, okay, now I can see the picture that I'm able to step back and look at it. But I was struggling being a straight A student. And then one day you're not. And nobody can see the shift. Nobody saw when things just took a turn. And, and then eventually I dropped out of high school. There was no conversation about that. And I don't even think anyone knew when I dropped out. That's how disconnected things were. And that is not easy to say, but it's my truth. Are you comfortable opening up about why you dropped out of high school? I was depressed. I didn't know I was depressed at the time. I just knew I didn't feel good. I didn't have a word for it, but I, I didn't feel good. I was, it just felt like walking around daily with too much weight to, to sort through. How old were you? 17. 17, so we're talking about- um, Right junior. before, June, yeah, it, was, it was senior, I was a senior. You were senior, okay. Yeah, right before um, I took my senior pictures, everything. So you were close to the end? Yeah, I was close to the end. And things just got too much for you? Yeah. When would you say, if you can recall and think back, that you started feeling these feelings of this happiness? It was always there. Always there since birth? Always there since? Since I was a little kid. Since you were a little kid? Yeah, it was always there, but I was always a tough girl. You know, like I said, I always had that extra voice, that voice of reason that helped me navigate to survive, to figure things out and go where I wanted to end up, you know? So um, I felt like it, it was definitely always there. and. Eventually, it. I feel like when you become an adult and you have to deal with a whole new realm in the world, that's when those things really start to haunt you and fight you. So that's when I jumped into therapy. Mm -hmm. When I realized like, okay, all these things are here and they're sitting here looking at me and demanding that I do something about it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like it started to haunt you at 17. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and you mentioned being a tough girl. And so you were able to tough it out for, for so long. But that's the thing with um, mental health and emotional problems. We can only tough it out for so long before Absolutely. we have to deal with it. Mm -hmm. You know, they say, um, you ever hear them say, if every day the, well, the, the bucket goes to the well, one day the bottom must fall out. Mm -hmm. And so it sounds like at 17, it started to fall out. Absolutely. And so um, you say that it started from early, from your mm -hmm. early adolescent age. Mm -hmm. And by 17, it just got to be too much. Yeah. And no one noticed. Right. Um, who did you have in your life besides mom at 17? Uh, or my, throughout your adolescent years? My mom's niece, who I call my aunt because they're close in age. She was there in many ways, you know. But there, honestly, there was so many things I wouldn't, express to her or touch on because I didn't want to feel like I was betraying my mom by telling her certain things, you know? So uh, that was limited, but also very impactful. It helped having her, having a relationship with her. Mm -hmm. So your mom had some resources for you mm -hmm. and this aunt was one of those resources. Yeah, definitely. And while she wasn't a replacement and she wasn't everything, she was also there. Absolutely, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And I believe you mentioned you have a sibling before, mm -hmm. right? I have a younger brother. A younger brother. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I'm guessing he's younger. Was he a resource for you? Were you more of a resource for him? What was that relationship? I was definitely both, you know, having company. And uh, I supported him a lot, you know, sibling stuff. Yeah. And so you said that when you made this decision to drop out of high school, no one noticed. Nope. And by no one, you mean that mom didn't notice? No. Tell me how that happened. I honestly don't even remember the details. I just remember not, not going to school, 
you know, and not saying, and, and I don't think, I think because it was close to, to the end, it was the end of senior year, um, it was easier to hide it, but there was no graduation. You know, there was no senior trip, but I was able to, I guess, act like everything was okay. And we didn't have a conversation about it. Doris, as you're sitting and you're listening, do you remember when you finally found out that she dropped out of high school? I remembered when she was home, but like she just said, it was at the end of, you know, everything, senior year. And um, I knew something was up. I knew, but never had no kind of communication on it. And um, she masks a lot of stuff. She knows how to do it, okay? And again, being the mom that was always working, it's like, okay, it's not like she dropped out from junior high or she dropped out from high school. That was at the very end. And I remember, I'm saying something is up, but you know, I'm gonna leave it as, as it is because I know she's smart. I know she knows know how to navigate and get stuff done. And I think that was my major issue because I knew that she was very articulate, smart, and, 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 and she had this drive and everything. So I kind of said, okay, I can get to do, get to work and get to do what I, you know, even my son used to be with her, you know, because they're 10 years apart. And I would call and find out how you guys doing. I'm gonna come home and cook and get things done and then go back to work and all these things. And I never knew it was like, taking a toll, per se, you know. And now hearing all of this, it, it, it kinds of make me feel, make me feel away. But from where I came from, my mom, you know, we never had these discussions. We never really, um, it's like everybody doing what they gotta do and try to do it the best. Um, you said that it makes you feel away. And I know that away means all type of things. Yes, right? it, Tell it, me it, about away. it makes me feel like, oh my God, it's like I was never there. Like I felt like I just give birth and disappear. So I never I, had a mom. Mm -hmm. I had my mom, but I never had, I wish I had a mom now mm -hmm. to put stuff to her like how she's put into me. Right. And I remember my mom struggling. Right. You understand me? And so I'm jumping in again and I'm jumping in because a lot of times when we say it made me feel away and then you said it made me feel like I was never there, that's a thought. Right? It made you think like you were never there. The, the feelings, happy, sad, angry. What did it make you feel to hear your daughter say these things? I am happy in a way that she can get it out okay. and feel better mm -hmm. that I am here mm -hmm. to, to, to soak it up, mm -hmm. to receive it, mm -hmm. to understand like this is what I was going through. We never had a chance then but we are having it now, where she can release and, and, and get it out of her system. But I know it's not like one, two, three. It's a process. And if we can have this like every month, I'm willing to be here because not every mom would do this. From the time you ask them to, no, I'm not gonna, no. 
I said, I'm going to do it because it's for my child. I know that she's going through a lot and like different people, different emotions, different hurting. And they, 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 um, they, they gather stuff different and they process different. So I'm not going to beat her up. I am happy that she can get things out. And I'm happy that um, we, we're living together. We see each other every day. And it's, that's, that's, that's therapy right there. It's not like from here she's gone or I'm gone. We're right here. So in between our activities, daily activities, we can hit on each other and say, you know, how was that? I think it was, you know, mm -hmm. so I'm, I'm happy. Right. So you mentioned um, feeling away and then you say that you feel happy, which is one of the feelings that are showing up for you right now, mm -hmm. right? That you're able to show up for your daughter in this way. Yes. Right? You're happy to be here yes. for her in this moment, yes. which I understand that. Yes. Um, what else? What other feelings? are showing up for you and emotions are showing up for you as you listen to Nola talk about her experiences with you. Yes, well, her experiences. Not every kid at her age at that time and even now have the opportunity to see. Mom, she's asking you how do you feel? No, I thought she's saying you. No, no, you. No, you. I'm asking feeling. you about your feelings. Yeah. And mm -hmm. again, I know that it's easier to share our thoughts. Yes. But I'm asking you about your feelings, right? Like, and again, the feelings are well, happy, Well, I am sad, feeling like scared. this is a journey. Okay. Which it's is a, a thought. Yes. Your emotions. Yes. When you heard her express what she just expressed. Well, I'm not going to say 100, mm -hmm. but I, I'm processing it. Understood. You're sitting with this and taking it in. I'm taking it in, you know, observing and processing. But it's a long road. Mm -hmm. Which happens, right? Sometimes when somebody gives us some information that's new, we have to sit with it for a mm -hmm. while and take it in and process it and know that what you feel today, like you said right now, one of your initial feelings, well, you said mm -hmm. you're feeling away, so you need to sit with that and figure out what away is, right? Because mm -hmm. I know, um, you know, Jamaican culture, when I say, I'm gonna feel away, a lot of times yes. that means, I don't know what I'm feeling, but I know it ain't good, yeah. right? Yeah. So yes. I don't know if that's what that means for you. You did say that what you're able to process in this moment is that you feel happy to be able to show up for NOLA in this moment and tolerate this conversation. As I yes. said to you, it's not easy to tolerate this conversation, especially with cameras on us, right? We gotta keep mm -hmm. it 100, right? Mm -hmm. In a in a authentic therapy mm -hmm. session, there's no viewers, yes. right? So this is very, very courageous and hard what you guys are doing. It requires a lot of courage. Mm -hmm. And so I applaud both of you Thank for bringing you. your journey and your story to the world to be able to share it so that a lot of other families can learn from that. Yes. Right? Um, later on today, you're going to be sitting, and I'm sure you're going to replay this moment, as most of us do. We replay our day, whether as we're getting ready for bed or in the shower or as we have moments of silence. And some other feelings are going to come up for you. Some other feelings are going to come up for you that's gonna be okay too and that's gonna be normal and you're gonna allow yourself to process this experience because that's what this is, this is an experience. Yes. And like you said, you guys live in the same house which creates the opportunity for you both to continue to work on your relationship daily. And so that's gonna be part of the work, part of the journey, this is not the beginning. I know that you guys have been working on your relationship and that's going to be something you guys do until the day both of you leave this earth. Um, Anola and I, it, there is something. I don't know if it's energy, our energy, or our forces. But um, sometimes I feel like I'm the kid and she's the mom. Mm -hmm. That's how I feel sometimes.
with your tongue. I know that um, everything that she has gone through, I've been through 10 times worse. And I never had a mom. She was there. Mm -hmm. I don't want you to compare your traumas and say what's worse and what's better. But exactly. Mm -hmm. Well, so um, sometimes I feel like when things are... I'd love to be able to reach a tissue for you. One second. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's the least that I could give you in this time. Yes. Mm -hmm. I feel like when... You know, every time she's feeling hurt or going through whatever, I'm like, I'm, I feel like I'm the one that she would get it out on to, you know. I don't know if it's right, but. What does that mean? It means like. Like take it out on you? Yeah. Okay. And, um. Sometimes I don't even want to have conversations because it's either that I'm not saying the right thing, I'm not speaking right, or I, I prefer not to say anything, you know. And um, knowing that... Um, I have done so much, and it's like I never done anything. That's how I feel. And it's like a constant, constant battle. Mm -hmm. And it's like a battle that Nobody's winning. So, therefore, it's going on and on and on. And I'm not saying literally fighting, but it's just communicating. I always feel like being attacked. So, I would just sometimes not say anything. And um, you want to say, but you're scared. That's how I feel. That's how I feel. So I would just allow it and said, you know, it is what it is. But I'm going through my stuff. But like I said, I don't have anyone except therapy to say, well, this is what I've been through in this, and I'm not saying that she shouldn't mm -hmm. tell me how she felt, when and where and how. But it's like, everybody process this stuff different. I've been through a lot, and I process my stuff different. But no therapist, and I'm still, mm -hmm. I'm still going, mm -hmm. but not everybody can do that. So I understand that she and I, we're two different people and we process things different. And because I've been holding on to my stuff, don't have anybody to get it out on or tell them, it's pent up inside. So it's like, I have mine and then I have to take hers, if you understand where I'm coming from. Have you ever thought about being in your own individual therapy so that you don't have to carry this alone? No. Is that something that you would consider? Yes. It's something that you should consider. Um, you know, as we all know, like, there's no reason that you should have to bear this alone. And it would be healthy for you to sit and be able to process some of your experiences with someone who can support you. I can see that this is hurtful for you. This is a painful journey, as it would be for most people. 
and um, you're a strong woman, but that doesn't mean that you don't need help and that you don't need support. Exactly. I know that. I know that, you know, and I, I, I know my daughter, how she processed stuff is so different from me. You guys are two different people. Yes. Had two different upbringings. Two I different could walk a mile with a drum of water in my head. And she can't do that. That because was the norm again, for your era. Exactly. Right? And so again, you guys were two. I'm sorry. Um, I realize that when I say things, what I say and what mom hears are different things. I think that's super important to acknowledge. I'm not saying that there were times, I'm not saying that there were never times when I was feeling things that challenged me that were uncomfortable and the way that I reacted to you or approached you was appropriate or easy or even kind. I'm aware of that. However, and I think we can see it displayed here, there are multiple things that I've said and when you've repeated what, how you processed it, it was very different from what I said. There was no time when I said that it's, you were never there. You, you're saying that it seems like I abandoned you, I was never there. That's not what I said. I made it very clear that you had to do what you had to do. And you were not aware that that was going to affect me the way it did. You didn't do it on purpose. And I said that. But you processed it in a completely different way. You said something completely different. And I know that there are many times when I'll say stuff to you and you process it as an attack. When it's not at all. And, and it, it happened 24 hours ago when I asked you a question and you started going off. And I said, Mom, you realize that I'm just asking you a question. We don't have to argue. It's okay for us to have an uncomfortable conversation and still be calm and not triggered. But mom, you are a highly triggered person. You are. And, and you don't always realize when I'm reacting to that. And I have been presenting you with therapy for a decade now, since 2014. I have. Unrelenting, I have always mentioned it. And I've even displayed to you how it's helped me. And I think the, the, the struggle and the resentment for me is when I started my healing, if I am interacting with mom, it's very difficult for me to be all the way successful in that healing if I'm being re-triggered and I, I'm not only asking you for therapy for you, I'm also asking you for therapy for me and I'm also asking you for therapy for us. And my brother, I'm not attacking you. But I am very aware that you have to unearth certain things that don't feel good. And even when they don't feel good, you have to keep moving forward. I also keep hearing how I'm processing it, which might be incorrect. It keeps sounding like you're saying the things you've gone through, I wouldn't survive. You don't even know what I've gone through and I've survived. You've seen me survive things. And you didn't say this, but it kind of makes it feel like I'm the weaker one. You know, so the carrying, walking a mile with a barrel wasn't a timepiece. Um, uh, I don't feel like mom was necessarily saying, oh, during that time, that's how I lived. I feel like it was metaphoric. Like what she's able to withstand, I can't. And that's not fair. Because I can't tell you how you should experience your weight. And I don't think it's fair for you to tell me how I should experience my weight. So I apologize. I appreciate that, Mom. And it's okay. But I just wanted to make you aware that processing information isn't always how it was given to you. Because I'm not saying you abandoned me. I'm not saying I was always alone. You know what I mean? I and and I want I just wanted to mm -hmm. be clear. Yeah. Now tell me about some times where mom did show up for you and when you weren't alone. All the time. Um 
Well, first of all, let me say that I moved out of New York for a little bit, and we have a family business in New York, and as I observed my mom try to navigate the business space and her personal space, it really felt like I needed to come and show up in a different way. And I did that knowing that it's difficult for us to be in the same space together. I'm highly aware that us living under the same roof is a thing, you know. So I said, we're going to do this for one year. And I'm doing this because, you know, the plans that I have, the real estate plans that I have. And being here helps us afford that quicker. So I'm not saying that, hey, I don't want to be around you. I'm saying that it's difficult and I get triggered too. I'm not going to, to respond perfectly, especially when <laughs> I'm just going to give one little tiny example, which wasn't a big deal, but I, I, I read this book, The Laws of Human Nature by Robert Greene, and he talks about seeing how people feel about things, how people feel about you, and sometimes it's that little moment that you'll see it. Even though they're smiling, there was that little thing that happened, some infliction on the face that happened uh, right before the smile. And you're like, oh, OK. So so <laughs> this morning, um, when we were coming downstairs, mom was like, is it cold down there? Do I need a jacket? So I said, um, maybe you should see how it feels first, then decide if you're going to wear a jacket. And she was like, well, I have to go down there first. And it was an attitude and the facial expression. Now, I'm not saying that was a lasting issue or a feeling, but in that moment, it happened. And I am not, I, I wasn't disrespectful. I wasn't rude. I'm always conscious of the way I sound in my tone because I, I have an insecurity about my tone. So I'm always aware of it. So in that little moment, if the environment was right and I was caught off guard, I probably would have responded in a, you know, a, smart way or something like that. But these things happen on either end, and I don't want to turn this into a blame game. But yeah, we did make the decision to be here for a year. And I keep saying, if we're going to do this, can we figure out healthy ways of doing it? And I've been begging for that. So I'm saying this to you that I have been asking you for us to do this in a healthy way. I want us to be joyful. And you hear me say all the time, Mom, you can't have a life where you look back on and you're like, damn, I was never happy. I'm going to find my joy. You know, and I want that for you too. That's why I even made that move to come here. That was a huge sacrifice to do that. But I don't mind making a sacrifice for you because I am aware of all the things Mom has done for me. I was on bed rest with an injury, could barely do, you know, a lot of things in my lifestyle, and mom was an integral part of me making that recovery. And I can mention a thousand other things. And guess what? There has never been a time when I didn't compliment you. There has never been a time when I didn't big you up. There has never been a time when I reminded you uh, constantly of how much I appreciate you. I don't hold my tongue when it comes to being positive. I've always done that. What is the meaning of big you up? I'll go out there and tell people about my mom all the time. Last night, I was with people, and I was like, Mom, can you take a picture of the picture you have from that event? I want to show people my mom. You know? So, no, there isn't this lopsided thing where I'm pointing at mom and blaming, and I, I fight so hard to be healthy for myself mentally, physically, not just for me, but also for us. And I keep asking you to do the same. And because it's taking so long and you haven't done it, it does cause a rift in our relationship. It does impact how I react. So when I keep seeing these things happening, yeah, I have an attitude. Because I'm like, mm -hmm. can we mm -hmm. <laughs> fix this already? Mm -hmm. uh, Again, you know, this is going to be an ongoing journey yeah, as we work on ourselves. That's something that we'll do for the rest of our lives. And when we work on our relationships, that's something that we're going to do for the rest of our lives. Yeah. And 
you talk about being in your own individual therapy and we talked about you exploring starting your own individual therapy and um, you know as we come to an end I'm wondering what else that you guys can commit to doing with each other that would be helpful to for you guys continuing to nurture this relationship and um, one of the things that I would suggest I know you guys um, do things together already but maybe have regular conversations about, hey, how are we doing with each other? I would like that. Whether it's, I don't know, bi-weekly or, we, or monthly or weekly. Yeah. You guys can think about how often. And, you know, it can be mother-daughter time, no other interruptions, where we talk about, hey, how do we support each other with, our, with the business? How are we showing each other love and making sure that our relationship is not just about the business? Yeah, yeah. How are we being here for each other at this point in time? And what else do we need? What do we need more of, less of? I would like that. Mama shaking yes. her head, which means she'd like that yes. too. Okay. So tell me, is the commitment for biweekly conversations, mother-daughter talk? Monthly, weekly? I would say every two weeks. Mm -hmm. Okay. How does that sound to you, Nola? Great. Okay. Great. Okay. This is, this is, let me just be clear. Mm -hmm. This is my mom. Mm -hmm. And no matter what we go through, people on the outside of our circle, they know that mm -hmm. even if there's a storm in here, mm -hmm. this is my mom. That's right. That's right. I have her mm -hmm. back yep. 100%, yep. always. Mm -hmm. And I don't let people violate my mom. I don't let people disrespect her, period. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're great in that regard. I am protective of my mother, but... I want to see her happy for a change, finally. Yeah, understood. Um, and I can see that even the way you reached in and grabbed her hand when she started crying and stuff. So I know that the love is there, right? And just because the love is there doesn't mean that we don't go through challenges. Yeah. So you guys can continue to love on each other in the best way possible. And again, um, I applaud you too for doing this and for bringing me in to share this moment with you too. And I hope that you find it helpful. And I do want you two to continue to work on your journey together. Love you. Love you too. Mmm. Recreate one moment in time. Um. Just to, just to live in peace and happiness. You sure it's not when you were singing before no. I was born and mm. winning singing competitions? Okay. <laughs> yes. Because I heard that story and I was like, wow, mom. Okay. <laughs> That's a good one. Um, you know, the first thing that comes to my mind about if I wasn't a therapist and what would be my passion dancing came to my mind. I love dancing. So I definitely feel like if my parents had nurtured that in me, I would have been a dancer. Wow. <laughs> you guys have a similar story going on. Okay. <laughs> if I could take my 17-year-old version of myself out uh, a day on the town, what would we do? Definitely arcades, um, playing video games, a really expensive restaurant and um, probably pampering. I wish pampering was something that I discovered earlier. So yeah, play some games, get lit, have some good food, get a massage. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Today's happy habit is super simple and super straightforward. If you have any challenges or obstacles with a loved one, especially someone who's close enough that those old wounds continue to impact your relationship or even create a void, my suggestion is to work on healing. Walking around with that old, stagnant, toxic energy affects you. It stays in your body. It affects your joy. Suppose that's happening to you. You can make it a habit of healing one day at a time, whether it's reaching out and talking it through or, of course, you know I'm going to say get a therapist. Heal yourself. Heal your family. Heal those wounds and experience more joy on a daily basis.
All right, so that is it, Mom. Thank you so much. You're welcome. I know that was hard, but like you said, you I tough. Love you. you tough. You got this. <laughs> I love you too. Thank you so much. And Nadiria, of course, thank you so much. Appreciate what you God do, bless. not only God, in this space so for us, but on a whole. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate it being here. And that's it, guys. Thank you. Hope this helps somebody. Yeah, I really do. Hope it helps somebody. Thank you for tuning in to the Nola Rowe Experience Podcast. Created and hosted by Nola Rowe. Produced by Take Action Media. Theme song by Mr. Malek. Sponsored by The Hills Restaurant, Brooklyn, New York. Listen to us on all podcast platforms and follow us on social media at the Nola Rowe Experience Podcast. Visit the Nola Rowe Experience Podcast.com and connect with us via email at talkwithnola at gmail.com.